You know, when we say Happy Mother's Day, everybody's like, oh, you know, thank you, thank you. But then when kids tell their moms Happy Mother's Day, you know, sometimes moms be like, why you gotta only love me on one day a week, or one day a year? Why you only gotta be, why I'm only special one day a year, right? Um, We celebrate moms, but we should celebrate mothers more often. They do a lot of hard work. They put in a lot of time um, and, and investment into raising and caring and pouring love and affection into their children. Mothers are perhaps the greatest contributors to our lives. They contribute so much to our lives. They teach us so many things. Mothers teach us about receiving. They teach us about receiving when they say, you are going to get it when you get home. (laughs) Mothers, Mothers teach us about logic. Logic when they say, because I said so, that's why. Logic. Mothers teach us about medical science. You see, mothers, they know everything. Medically, they say, stop crossing your eyes or they'll freeze that way. (laughs) Mothers will teach us about religion when they say, you better pray to God that that stain come out that carpet. (laughs) Mothers seem to know a lot about genetics when they yell at their kids and say, you're just like your father. (laughs) I I don't get that. Mothers... Mothers even teach us about time travel. When they say, if you don't straighten up, I'm gonna knock you into next week. <laughs> Man, mothers, mothers um, teach us about foresight, about seeing into the future when they tell us, you need to wear clean underwear in case you get into an accident. <laughs> they teach us about the weather when they say, it looks like a tornado swept through your room. They teach us about international relations when they tell us millions are starving in China and you won't eat your food. (laughs) Mothers teach us about doing the impossible. If you fall out that tree and break your neck, don't come crying to me. (laughs) Impossible. And last, mothers teach us about the circle of life. If I brought you into this world, I will take you out. Amen? Thank you, moms. Thank you. Thank you so much. You teach us so much. We're taking a pause from our sermon series. I know we're doing a sermon series called Story Time, where we talk about the parables of Jesus. And we're just taking a break today to just uh, get a word that's more focused on our mothers today. Um, but we are going to be talking about a couple mothers that usually don't make the cut for Mother's Day sermons. They usually don't. You know, it's not your common Jochebed, which is Moses' mom. It's not Mary, the mother of Jesus. It's not, you know, uh, Elizabeth, who, was, who, who had prayed and was... I mean, we, we, we have all these examples in the Bibles of these women that were amazing mothers, um, amazing women of faith. Um, but there's a couple women who don't usually come to mind. And these two women, they came before King Solomon with an issue. They, they came to him with an issue, and they asked him to judge. We need you to judge 
on this decision. We need you to make a decision for us. It was a dark and troublesome situation that they had. Now, people usually went to see King Solomon because, remember, he had asked God for wisdom, and so when they needed wisdom in their decisions, they would go to the king. These two women each had a newborn child roughly the same age, and something tragic happened one evening that occasion that, 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 that created the need to go see the king so that he can settle and make a ruling on this dispute. We're going to read about this in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 17 to 22. 1 Kings chapter 3, 17 to 22. And one woman said, Oh my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house. And I gave birth while she was in the house. And this woman's son, oh my bad, wow, you, you're quick, Nate. Then it happened that the third day after I had given birth, that this woman also gave birth. Three days later, and we were together. No one was with us in the house except just the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So she arose in the middle of the night. She took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and laid with him in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, no, but the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, no, but the dead one is your son and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. Well, yes, these two women don't really seem like good candidates for a sermon on Mother's Day. <laughs> There's child neglect, there's child, all sorts of, all sorts of things that, that have happened, right? Um, but there are, there are a few things in this case. There are a few things in, um, in this case that help us see the real love, the love that mothers have for their children. It helps us see that. Before we talk about that specifically, just think about what's happening here. Think about, can you picture the scenario, Right? These two women show up before the king to see, and this really was his first, like, test case. This was his test case. If you read further up in the chapter, God had asked Solomon, what do you want? I'll give you anything. Solomon says, wisdom. Boom, you got it. This is his first ruling. This is, this is his first, this is his time to show. Like, this is it. Let's see what you got. So you go before the king, and this is his first case to, to show the world that the, of the wisdom that God had given him. One woman tells him, look, we live in the same house. Um, I gave birth. Three days later, she gave birth, and um, we each have a newborn baby. She goes, in the middle of the night, she rolls over on her baby, kills her baby, and then sneaks over to my bed, switches out the babies, and then goes back like it never really happened. I wake up in the morning, 
thinking everything's fine, trying to feed my son to then realize, wait a minute, this is not my son. But then you have uh, the second woman saying, liar, you're a liar. The one that's alive is my son and the one that's dead is yours. I can imagine King Solomon, like if he didn't have some things that may have been more important to do as far as running a kingdom, then a dispute with a lying woman and then one that's desperately trying to, to get justice done for her, right? So, so here is the king. The king, um, <laughs> tr- uh, whose, whose job now is to determine who's telling the truth and who's lying. There's no other witnesses. There was nobody in the house. It was just them two. And so, I mean, not like today. We could have been like DNA test, right? No DNA test back then. After King Solomon hearing this, he restates the case out loud in case people in the room did not understand what was happening. He says in verse 23, and the king says, this one says, this is my son who lives and your son is a dead one. And the other says, no, but your son is the dead one and my son is the living one. When Solomon had asked God for wisdom, he asked for an understanding heart, an understanding heart. In addition to leading God's people, so that he may be able to discern good and evil. With wisdom comes discernment. And here he is now immediately put into a position where he needs to discern between good and evil. Because it is definitely evil what that one woman did after she killed her son which was by accident. Of course, she didn't do it on purpose. But then to switch out babies like that is evil. It's evil. Now, um, personally, I believe that King Solomon, he probably already knew. Like the second he walked in, I mean, he was the wisest. And with wisdom comes discernment. So there's no doubt when he's seeing them talking and their facial expressions and their body gestures, we're not there. We're just reading the words. But being in the room, some of us can pretty much tell when someone's lying to us, right? Some of us have another, an extra gift to look at someone and be like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, sure, sure. You, you are lying to me. <laughs> Mothers are skilled at that. Moms are skilled at that. It's like a, it's like a, I don't know, some ninja mind trick thing that they do. <laughs> they just know. They just know. He probably already knew, but he patiently waits and lets them speak. Go ahead, plead your case. Let me hear. What's your, what's your version? What's your version? Okay. He lets, he lets some you know, uh, say what they need to say. And all of a sudden, after he listens to their arguments, he comes up with a brilliant idea. (laughs) And the brilliant idea in verse 24 and 25 says, the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought the king, they brought the sword before the king, and the king said, divide the living child in two. And give half to one mom and half to the other mom. Now think about this. 
Can you imagine everybody in the room right now? What if that was happening right here? And you guys were all spectators, and Sasha and her friend bring a baby to me, and they both say it's theirs. And I'm like, all right, look, uh, Dennis, just bring me a sword real quick. And, and you guys are all sitting there like, wait, why do I need a sword? We're going to cut the baby in half, and we're going to give one, to Sa- one piece to Sasha and one to her friend. Everybody at that moment, your eyes were like, whoa, wait, what's going on here? Pastor has lost his mind. What is going on? Quick, call the cops. Do something. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how people froze? How, how you know, in the court cases, they have um, the person that does the little, yes, that. I'm not going to repeat that. They're the one who's, like, typing everything that's going on, like, right? Can you imagine at that moment, it's like, wait, what? Am I supposed to write that in here? The bodyguards, the king's soldiers, you know, who are used to maybe taking the life of somebody at that moment, we're like, wait, the baby? The baby? Picture it. You know, you, you, you guys all have seen movies like, you know, Knights and stuff like that, where they take the sword out, shwing, you know, the, the, the noise it makes. It's only in the movies. Because I tried in real life, I didn't get that sound. I don't get that sound when I take a sword out of something. It's just, it's in the movies. They add that. But can you imagine the sound of the sword coming out? Everybody's like, wait a minute. First Kings, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 26. We're going to continue. And it says, then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king. For she yearned with compassion. For her son, and she said, Oh my Lord, please give her the living child. By no means kill him. But the other said, Let him neither be mine nor yours. Divide him. Man. I don't know. I know women can be a little ruthless sometimes, but I don't know. This is this is this. <laughs> Like, what's going on? So the woman, so, so what's happening is the real mom, because today's title is like, who's the mama, right? The real mom is like, yeah, look, that's the title. The real mom is like, stop. Don't, don't do that. Just don't do that. She, she can have him. She can have him. Do not kill the baby. In this moment, she, she, uh, um, as she's doing this, the other one's like, <laughs> the other woman reveals the callousness and the evil and the, of her own sinful heart. And she'd rather see that child die than see another woman enjoy the blessing of childbearing. That's, you rather see the baby die because your baby died, then see another woman enjoy the, 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 the blessing of childbearing. Now, this is a level of extreme, like, this is extreme. But in lighter notes, are we guilty of sometimes 
not being happy when good things are happening to other people. Because that blessing should be for me. That blessing was, should be for me. And I've spoken with a couple, couple people throughout the week, and I understand that sometimes we, we, we ask God, like, how is it? How is it that God is doing this for him when I'm the one being faithful? All of a sudden, right? Right? I'm the one showing up. I'm the one that's, that's the volunteering. I'm the one that's always there. I'm the one that, you know what? I don't put nobody before God. I don't put no, nothing before him. I'm always, gonna, I'm always willing and faithful. And we go down the list. We go down the list. We go down the list. And, and if I, I've told this story before, and I won't go into it today, but I went through a season that was just like that. I, I mean, when my wife and I were going through miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage, I was like, whoa, what's up, God? Like, I don't, I mean, I'm doing ministry because you told me to do ministry. Like, I'm trying to be obedient over here. I mean, you know, giving of myself, of my life, sacrificing the things that I may want to do, the places I want to go to. And everybody is having babies. You got people not even married having babies. You got people having babies. Oops, she's pregnant. Oops, pregnant. Oops, pregnant. And I'm like, what's going on here? And I struggled with that. I struggled with that. I struggled with that to the point where it was affecting, it was really affecting even my, 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 my minister when I, would, when I would stand up and, and try to just, you know, it was still in there. It was, it was in my heart. This woman could not bear to see someone else enjoy a blessing because she did not have that. We can't live like that. I mean, the Bible does tell us, right, to, to, be, to be joyful um, with our brothers and sisters as they are joyful, to, to mourn with them as they mourn. I mean, so, so we, are to, we are to support our brothers and sisters in the seasons that they're in. If all things are going great, yo, I'm so happy for you. I'm so excited for you. If things are not going so great, oh, man, you know what? I'm here for you. I feel that. You know, I, you know, I'm sorry you're going through that. That's what creates family. That's what creates our community here as brothers and sisters in Christ. It reveals, she, so this woman reveals her callousness of her sinful heart, and that is the heart of a person who does not walk with God. I just mentioned, Lord, give me a heart that reflects yours. I want a heart that reflects his heart. That when his heart hurts, my heart hurts. When things are not going well, or when he's excited, you know, he's happy, I wanna be happy. But when he's broken, I should be broken too. The hard-hearted woman at the end of verse 26, she says, kill the baby. Kill him. Divide him. He can't be mine. He can't be yours. Are you guys picturing the scene? The king, in verse 27, he answers and he says this. So the king answered and said, give the first woman 
the living child and by no means kill him. She is the mother. You are the mother. (laughs) That was King Solomon. His first case was like a Maury case kind of thing. You are the mother. The true mother, the real mom, is the one who was willing to give up her child to the other woman just to save the child's life. I think every mother here would do the same thing. If you knew that giving your child to that other woman would have saved your child's life, you would do it. It would break your heart, but you would do it. You wouldn't be like, cut him in half. You wouldn't do that. The true mother becomes evident when the sword is drawn and the child's life is in danger. I want to tell you there is nothing more dangerous than a mom who feels that her child may be in danger at that moment. We have seen through all of nature how moms of animal, like like animal mothers, defend their young. I had a hamster growing up, (laughs) and she had babies, unplanned, obviously. Back then, there was a store called Woolworth. Anybody? All right. All right. And they would sell hamsters in there, too. And so we bought a hamster, took it home, and like five days later, it just gave birth to like eight, nine babies. My parents were not happy about that. But I was one of those uh, National Geographic type of kids, so I figured out what to do. Except for one thing. I touched one of the babies. So two things happened as a result of me touching the baby. One, I got bit really bad, which the scar is embedded in the wrinkle of my thumb. It's there, right, to this day. And two, she turned around and ate the baby. If you know anything about hamsters, you cannot touch newborn babies because the scent of the human, once it's put on the baby, it, the mother the discards it and then eats the baby. It's crazy. So I got hurt, baby died, all because I didn't do my full study. But mothers are dangerous and they're vicious when they feel that their child is in danger. Now, mothers, you guys are not going to eat your babies. But you'll fight. You'll fight anyone who threatens them. You'll fight anyone who threatens them. <laughs> there have been times, that even to this day, that I got to tell Camille, like, Camille, baby, relax. Don't, don't overdo it. Like, you know, and I'm like, you're like it's, it's, and, and, and I'm like, he's, he's almost 30 years old. He can defend himself. <laughs> I just had to, I had to, I had to, I had to. That's my baby. He could be 30 years old, that's still my baby. She stood, she stepped up when her child's life was in danger. And every mother in this room would step up if your child was in danger. Again, I believe that he already knew who was lying, but he he allowed all this so that the the world could see um, 
and, and, and it would all come to light in front of everyone. First Kings chapter three, continuing to 28 says, all of Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered and they feared the king for they saw the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Now, when we read this story, this is one of the main factors of this scripture is to show, because remember, in the same chapter further up, he asked God for wisdom, God gives him wisdom, this comes in, this is next in line. So what we're doing is as we're reading, we're seeing God's hand in giving him the wisdom. Um, and so the main factor, yes, is the wisdom of God, um, the wisdom of the one true God was in him. Yet, there's clearly, um, there's some other clear points, takeaway points um, that we can uh, make here um, for real moms on Mother's Day. King Solomon acted in a way to determine the real mother. And this passage, it identifies a few characteristics of real, authentic moms. And these characteristics will, uh, they, they prove helpful to us this morning as today is Mother's Day. So let me, uh, let, let's start off with the first of the three. Mothers are imperfect. Mothers are imperfect, which is meanings that they are not perfect. <laughs> they make mistakes. And I hope that's an encouragement for all the mothers here in the room, because sometimes moms, you guys feel like you got to have it all under control. Like you, you feel like you got to have all the answers. Like, you know, just let, let us handle some of that. No, you know what I mean? Let, let, let us worry on some of that. You don't need to have all the answers, you know? Matter of fact, we don't have all the answers. Nobody has the answer. God has all the answers or it's, in his, or it's in his word. But mothers are not perfect. Mothers sin. Mothers sin. Mothers are not sinless, right? As a matter of fact, the reason why these two women are not usually cho chosen for Mother's Day messages is that these two women... Um, had a dark and shady past. They were, they were, they were, they were not, they, they were not nice women. You know, um, verse sixteen. If we go before, it says, "Now the two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him." So I know that it's it's a one little quick word, might be overlooked, but um, these two women are prostitutes. They are prostitutes, and they, that's why they live in a house together. That's why there's no man in the house. That's why, I mean, you go down the list like, oh, maybe that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. There's no one else there, right? You know, um, but, but when we understand that they're prostitutes at this moment, like, um, it, it, it may be shocking to some people like, man, but the fact still remains that they weren't perfect. They were not perfect. Now, the Bible is not endorsing prostitution at all, right? That's not the point. Because um, some people will take, yo, they'll take the crazy, you, prostitution's in the Bible. And the prostitutes went to King Solomon. And he knew what they were. And he was okay with that. No, he, listen, it was still, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was frowned upon. It was not, please. Don't. But what's happening is, again, it, it, it paints the picture to the point of why there was no husband, um, why, you know, um, they were in the same house, stuff like that, right? Um, a woman does not have to be sinless to be a real mom. 
Brother Mark opened up with Proverbs 31. And we look at Proverbs 31 as the, the mold of the perfect woman, the perfect mother, right? Um, you know, he said, like, he gets up early, buys, sells, cooks, cleans, makes clothing, changes the tires on the, tr- on the car, you know, uh, takes my boots off when I get home. Like, I mean, like everything. Well, we could go down the list and like probably, start, you know, add all this stuff, right? <laughs> loves children, loves her husband, praises, praises this, praises that. I mean, it, it's, it's almost to the point where if, if we can be realistic, there are women that come very close. I believe my wife comes very close. But I don't think I've met one that is completely Proverbs 31. Like, like everything, all the time? That's, 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 that's pretty, that's, that's pretty, um, that's a pretty unreachable standard, which can cause many people to be discouraged. Now, it's, it's a chapter that you read it as a woman and your goal should be like, I desire to be that. I'm going to live to be more like that. I'm going tr- I'm, I'm to do my best. Lord, help me be like this. Help me. But the thing is this, if you are not like that all the time, it doesn't mean that you failed. A true, loving, caring mother does not have to be sinless. Did you know that there's not a single negative word about a, that woman in the entire chapter? But <laughs> I didn't, I, I, this is a quote, okay? I'm not saying this, this is a quote. <laughs> but uh, I bet if we had an interview, a personal interview, <laughs> an off-the-record interview with the husband, he'd be like, well, you know, she's not perfect. She does sin. She gets on me when I leave my socks on the floor. Romans 3, 23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Real moms are imperfect. Even when we make a mess of our lives and make some poor choices and, and, and do things we really shouldn't do, it's encouraging to know that God's grace is still available to all of us, moms and those that are not moms, women and men. We all make mistakes. We make choices that we shouldn't have made. But his grace, but his grace is still available to us. At the point that in our confession and repentance to God, he forgives us of those things. Amen? The church should be a, a, a place, right? Should be a, the church should be zealous, zealous for moral purity, which is hard to find even in churches today. The church should be desiring, truly wanting to see what moral purity looks like amongst the body of Christ. Right? We should want to see that. Um, we should be extending forgiveness, grace, love, and hope, redemption to sinners. It shouldn't just be a country club where we think we, we made it and that's it. It shouldn't be, okay, we're here, we're good. 
on a daily basis. We should be extending that love and extending that grace and extending that forgiveness. When that becomes the norm for any, for any church, then what's happened is there's an overflow because they're not used to that out there. And when they start to experience it from you and from you and from you, they are going to be drawn to you like, why? How? This guy named Jesus. Really? Come with me. Oh, I, and there's going to be a desire a desire. We can't forget that the church is not a place for perfect people. Nobody here is perfect, but for imperfect people, right? Mark chapter 2, verse 17 says, Jesus says, I didn't come for people who didn't think they, I didn't come for people who don't, who don't think they need a doctor. I came for people who know they are sick. Now, I said, I mentioned this last week. The church should be first a hospital, a hospital. But it can't stay a hospital because if it's only a hospital, if, you, if it's only a hospital to you, then you're only going to come when you're going through something. You're only going to show up when you need something. And what you're doing is you're just using me like some drug dealer that's on the corner right there. I need a fix today. Let me go to church. First, a hospital. Yes, let him heal those wounds. But guess what? Then it, turns, it, it, should, it, should, it should transition to a family, like I mentioned. We should be a family in Christ who loves to see one another, right? Manny should be like, yo, I can't wait to see Pastor on Sunday. Love you, man. See? 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 I, I, I said it because I know that's what he was thinking, you know? I just... But then the relationships are, are, are formed, bonds are made, you know, so forth. And then it should transition from family to army. What are we here for? To conquer ground for the kingdom of heaven. If we're not doing that, what are you doing? What are we doing? Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Real moms are imperfect. Ladies, aren't you glad that God loves the imperfect mother? And God loves the little babies of imperfect mothers. God gives his wisdom to Solomon so that the child's real mother can properly care for him. <sighs> this is a, a point of encouragement for those of us that know that maybe we have imperfect mothers or that we have been. I say we. I'm not a mom. But it's your day. I'm just kind of speaking to know that um, either you have an imperfect mother or maybe have been an imperfect mother. Some of you may feel like, you know, well, you just don't know my mom. I know I've spoken to a couple of you like, Lord, help me pray for my uh, pastor. Help me pray for my mom. I'm like, I'm, we're praying. I just love her. Just love her. Just love her. But you don't know her. I, I know. I know. I know. I, you're right. I don't know her. You're right. I don't. But love her anyway. Love her anyway. You know what? As, um, as I grew older, 
as I grew older, I just realized like all the unnecessary arguments that we have with our parents in life. Our parents, you know, if, if things go according to nature, how it goes, you know, our parents are supposed to pass away before we do. And so the time spent with people are limited, right? Why argue about some of the dumbest things? Because one day, your mom won't be there. As teenagers <clears throat> in the back, right? Our moms are not, they're not immortal. As much as we think that they are super women, right? And God has called us to honor our parents, our mother and father. We honor with respect. We honor with obedience. We honor with how we carry ourselves when they're not around. Anyways, we are all imperfect children and that we've, that we've all imperfect children that know we've let God down in our own, um, we, we've let our own parent down. Ephesians chapter 4, 32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Moms are imperfect. Secondly, moms, real moms are compassionate. Real moms have a maternal love for their children, right? And you see this in the passage um, in verse 21, when that the real mother who was deceptively given to the, the dead child in the night, she examined the child in the morning. The Bible says that she examined him which, and concluded that this was not, this is not my son. I didn't give birth to this guy. Like, like she went to nurse him and then saw, wait, as, after examining, like, hey, this is not my baby. This is not my baby. The implication here is that a real mother really knows her own child, right? Um, when, when Vanessa had the baby, the baby girls, when they were babies, right, her twin girls, there was just no way. I couldn't, I, I'd be like, oh, look at Leilani. She's like, that's not Leilani, that's Lydia. Lydia, that's Leilani. I just, I just, I, you, I couldn't tell them apart at all. At all. And as I got, as, as the hair grew in, as their hair grew in, she gave me a little cheat sheet. She says that one has a little willow's peak in the front, and that's Le, Leilani. Leilani has a little willow's peak, and Lydia does not. And that's how you can tell the difference for me. She, she, she already knows, but that's how I tell the difference. But a, 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 a mother knows her child. There was no electricity, no modern lighting in these days. It's dark. It's nighttime. And here is the next morning when the sun finally comes out, when she's able to notice and look at her baby to say, wait, this is not mine. For some of us, all babies look very similar. Remember, these babies were three days old. Three-day-old babies. So th there's a chance that they look pretty similar, okay? Um, and, and so, so it, you know, some of us struggle with that, right? Um, maybe, maybe it's a guy thing because none of the girls, none of the girls nodded. The guys in the back like, oh, yeah, 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 I can tell. And the, none, of the, none of the women were like, they just look at me like, well, I don't know about you. I can tell my baby. I, one day old, one hour old, I know which one's my baby. 
Okay, okay, it's a guy thing. It's a guy thing. But this mother in 1 Kings chapter 3, she knew right away this child is not mine because she had lovingly looked over every detail of this child. I remember when, when Abigail was born, uh, um, Camille asked me to bring her to her, and then she just stared at her for like, and I'm, I'm holding her, right? And she's just staring at it. No, no, later, 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 when you, when you, when you came out of it. <laughs> she told me, like, like, I want to see her. So I'm holding her, and I, and I remember Camille just like staring at her, staring at her. I don't know how many mothers stare at every little wrinkle, every little, every, in the baby, at their babies. It was like taking this, all these pictures in your mind of what this is your baby. Now, I know back in the day, there was some mix-ups when people got their babies switched. Maybe it was, remember? You hear about that in the back in the day? But she, she knew her child. She, she, know, she looked at, um, his, his eyes or his eyelids, if he didn't open them, right? Um, his facial features, his length, any birthmarks, the way he cried, the way he made a sound, right? Her love for this child, she, she just, it caused her to just completely um, understand and know her child. Real moms are compassionate. Compassionate. The very word compassion is even found in uh, the, new Gene, the New King James translation of this passage, right? Right after King Solomon orders that the child be divided in two, verse 26 says, the woman whose son was living spoke to the king for she yearned with compassion. Compassion for her son. No matter the circumstances of how this baby was conceived, it didn't matter if this was, you know, uh, a result of a customer of hers or not. That's besides the point. Um, there's a real compassion, compassionate love of a mother for this child. No matter the poor choices, the regretful decisions, a real mother's love for her child is constant. Your mother's love for you is constant. And God's love for you is constant. God loved this little child in this passage even though it was conceived through sin. It doesn't stop God's love for this child. Some of us are conceived through sin, and it doesn't stop God's love for you. There was so much against this child. But God's wisdom was available to the mother who asked for it. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God, ask of God, and he will give it without reproach. Real moms are imperfect. Real moms are compassionate. And lastly, in closing, real moms are sacrificial. Moms are, will sacrifice it all. Yo, you know what, you know what my mother do, has done and what I've seen Camille do? They both have done it. Like, um, when the food ends up not being enough, you ever cook dinner for everybody thinking that you, that you measured it all right, but then you realize that, like, oh, snap, I didn't know this was going to be out. I didn't know this was going to happen. And so they say, oh, no, don't worry about it. I'm not hungry, or I just ate, or whatever. They lie. They lie. They say they ate when they didn't, or they say they're not hungry when they are. 
And then they, they, they feed us, right? They feed everybody. And then later you see them in the kitchen trying to find, I'm like, what happened? Oh, no, I'm just so hungry. I thought you ate. No, I didn't eat. I didn't eat. You could have my food. No, 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 no. I want everybody to eat. <laughs> Mothers are sacrificial. They will sacrifice. Real moms are willing to sacrifice for their children. Real moms are willing to give up things in order for their children to be blessed. Now, now I say real moms, and sometimes people take offense to this, but, but not many people are offended when we say real dads, right? Because we know, you hear about that, oh, you're not a real dad. Anybody can make a kid, but not everybody can be a father. It goes both ways. It goes both ways, ladies. Any woman can get pregnant, but it takes a mother to raise a child. A real mother will sacrifice things for herself so that her children can have. Sacrifice is seen here in verse 26, right? When they were about to discuss, you know, the cutting the kid in half sacrifice. Her sacrifice was like, you know what? Let her have my son is what she's saying. Can you imagine that? Let her have my baby. Just don't, don't kill him. If that's not sacrificial, just so that her son could be blessed. You could, you just keep him. Don't kill him. Don't kill him. She was willing to give up her child. More importantly than defending herself and arguing, the real mom was willing to just give up her son entirely. Personal sacrifice is the higher calling of parenthood. Many of us can look back and thank our mothers for their personal sacrifice. We ran, into a, we ran into a young lady that we know last night when we were out, and she's currently pregnant, very pregnant. And she was walking past us, and she, no lie, was walking like this. Waddling. Like, like, I mean, it's just like back and forth. The belly was just like, whoop, whoop. Can you imagine? Moms know, you, 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 I don't have, you guys know, men, we have to imagine the sacrifice to carrying a child through those months. We look back and look at our, the sacrifices that the mother fig, our mothers or mother figures in our lives have made for us. My mom was just speaking at a Mother's, conference, mother's Day conference, and she was if I stop by her house while she's in mid-preparation, I have to stay and listen to her teaching and her sermon and everything. And so I sat down. I'm like, go ahead, Mom. So she preaches the whole thing to me. And in it, I heard her. She, she, she mentioned um, one of the things that she did as a mother in my life. Every morning before I went to school, she would sit with me and we'd open the Bible together. 
and I would have to read one chapter every morning before going to school. It was just, that was what I had to do. Now, I look, I compare it to my life right now, and my mornings are like Armageddon with my daughter. It's Armageddon. Like, like getting kids, and my mom had three kids. Like, you know, I mean, we had, there were multiple kids involved. I have one little girl in the morning, which I love so much, but in the morning, she's not so nice. She's not so nice to me. And, and, and so I'm trying to get her ready and everything and everything so I can get out and leave and get her to school on time. And here, my mother made some sacrifices of getting up even earlier, perhaps, having breakfast already made, all the things that she had to do to then sit with me and say, we're going to read this no matter what. It didn't matter how she was feeling. It didn't matter what she was going through. It didn't matter what was on her mind or not. Every morning, faithfully. And I didn't really look forward to it because I had to read it in Spanish. So reading a chapter in Spanish for me as a child took double the time than a reading it in English would have. <laughs> Thank goodness. We broke that one down, I think. But the point that she was making in her conference was this. We don't know the results of some of your sacrifices right away. I grew up, I got older, and I walked away from my relationship with God. I did. But because of the foundation that she built, because of the foundation, because of the Word of God, because of her teaching, her preaching, my parents just continuing to, 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 to build this firm foundation, no matter how I strayed, the Lord, the seed was planted and the Lord brought me back. And she believes that my calling today or being able to stand here today and, 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 to, and, to, and to minister and to, to be a minister or to whatever the case may be, some of that sacrifice that she made played a role in that. And I believe that she's right. I believe that she's right. This passage gives us tremendous hope. Tremendous hope. I, I hope this gives all mothers hope this morning. To understand that you can be a true, caring, and loving mother, even if you're imperfect, because you are imperfect, right? Because you can be compassionate and still be a sinful woman, and you can still be sacrificial for your children, although you've made some bad decisions. Real moms are imperfect. Real moms are compassionate. Real moms are sacrificial. And I want to say this to all the mothers in, here this morning that God knows what it's like for mothers. Because you know how I'm like, well, nobody knows what I'm going through. Well, God knows. He, knows. he knows what it's like for you. He knows what it's like to have children grow up in your home after you've poured so much love into. And then they leave your home and they go astray. You've tried to raise them in the things of the Lord. You've tried to show them direction, and they've done their own thing. 
He knows what that he, he knows how you feel right now. The thing is this, God is the one that's perfect. The parents are not perfect. Mothers are not perfect. And as children, we break his heart all the time. So he knows what a broken heart feels like when your child, I guess, sometimes doesn't, you know, doesn't respond the way we think they should. God is the perfect parent with the perfect love. He made a perfect sacrifice. And he gave his one and only son to all of us that we would receive him, accept him, and have everlasting life. As we, as we bring our service to a close, I want to I give an opportunity, not just for mothers. I mean, I know mothers is number one. Moms, if you're here today and, and, and there's any type of guilt in your life, because sometimes I've heard mothers with this sense of guilt, like I should have done more, I should have tried more, I should have done this, and I should have done that. And we go through all the list of the things that you should have, should have, should have. Listen, be free from that today. It's the past. It's the past. We cannot change the past, but we can learn from the past. We can move forward and include God in our future. I want to encourage you today that your prayers do not go unheard. That it was the prayer of my mother. I believe that the prayers of my mother the constant prayers of my mother, the faithfulness of, of the prayers of my mom, that truly, truly, truly continue to pull me closer and closer to him. Father God, I thank you, Lord. Right now, Father God, Father, look at all the children right now that are being prayed for right now, all, all the mothers that are, that are standing in the gap. Father, right now, the mothers right here that are standing in the gap, Father God, standing in the gap for their children, praying, Father God, and believing that one day, one day that you will uh, encounter their, their children, that they will, they will encounter you in such a way that their lives will be changed forever that they too may be able to experience the joy of the Lord and the blessed gift of eternity. Father God, right now we thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. Have your way. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.